This is the Risky Mix podcast, where we speak with those people changing the mix in the insurance industry. Sharing their personal journeys, their inspirational stories, and answering the questions we all want answered. You're listening to Raj and Katie. We really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. So today we are excited to welcome back Emma Bardwell to the Risky Mix podcast, a nutritional therapist, writer and lifestyle coach with a specific focus on female health and well-being, intuitive eating and smart lifestyle approaches. Emma has combined her nutrition knowledge with a passion for writing and raising reader awareness on issues that affect women. And Emma was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and we uh, we had so much to talk about. So uh, she kindly agreed to come back and, uh, and speak to us today. So welcome back, Emma. Thank you so much. Let's go back to some of the advice you were giving around how women can kind of manage their, I suppose, their, their symptoms going through the menopause. And you touched on um, diet and sleep and things. Perhaps you could give us a bit more detail around the nutritional side. Yes, absolutely. Um, so... There isn't a menopause diet per se, but what I would point women towards is um, the Mediterranean diet, which is a really good kind of yardstick actually for everyone. You know, in terms of healthy eating, that is the, it's not really a diet, but it's more like a lifestyle that Mm. is held up as the kind of beacon of, Mm. you know, health, good healthy eating. Um, And the reason I like it is because it's quite inclusive. It doesn't omit you know it's it it kind of includes a bit of everything but it centers quite largely on things like you know the obvious stuff fruit and veg um but also things like oily fish so Mm -hmm. those omega-3s are really important so i always tell people to remember the uh, acronym smash so you've got salmon mackerels anchovies um sardines and herring so ah. it's a, they're very anti-inflammatory. Right. So that's really important okay. for everyone, but particularly for menopausal women. Um, the Mediterranean diet is really big on things like legumes. You know, I think in the UK we're not very good at eating pulses and lentils mm-hmm. and chickpeas and things like that. Um, and also healthy, there's a big kind of emphasis on healthy fats, and health, you know, fat is actually what you need to synthesize hormones. So it's really important. Right, right. So things like nuts and seeds and avocados, and there's the Mediterranean diet is big on um, extra virgin olive oil. Yeah, yeah, drizzle it on everything. <laughs> From a very simple kind of viewpoint, think about a balanced plate. Um, so you are always making sure with everything that you eat so all your meals all your snacks you've always got a good protein source so protein is what fills you up um, it keeps your blood sugar levels stable so it's great for you know fatigue and tiredness also yeah. anxiety to a degree because mm. if your blood sugar levels are plummeting you're going your body starts to kind of panic um, so you know you'll find protein in the obvious things like meat and fish but also in plant-based sources like tempeh, seitan, tofu, beans, lentils, hummus, you know, things like that, Mm. nuts and seeds. Um, So a balanced plate, you are looking at lots of fruit and veg. I say half the plate should be fruit, it's not not fruit, veg or salad. Quarter protein and a quarter complex carbs. So, you know, the, the, the kind of carbs unrefined carbs so things like sweet potato potato um, you know things that will 
stop your blood sugar levels spiking and then plummeting and then yeah. leave you feeling really kind of knackered post-lunch. Um, you need lots of fibre and you'll get that from your veg. Mm -hmm. um, a really important thing for all women, doesn't matter how old you are, is to look at where you're getting your calcium from. Right. Um, so we're looking at 700 milligrams if you're under 50 and 1200 milligrams if you're over 50. Yeah. So what does that equate to in terms of milk, yogurt? Mm -hmm. So if you, let's say cow's milk, if you're looking at like a small glass of cow's milk, that's 250 milligrams. Right. So you do have to give it quite a lot of thought to make sure you're reaching those targets. Yeah. You know, it's super important for your bone health really important for you two younger women to get your bone health as you know tip top as possible now because it declines you reach peak bone density at 30 sorry another, <laughs> another okay. clanger yeah yes yeah, so you need to to bear that in mind okay and do supplements go some way or would you always recommend i would always recommend food, food over supplements yeah. you know okay. you can get it from your diet in terms of bone health also very important is things like um resistance training so strength training right. yes. okay. You know, yeah. okay. anything where your feet are hitting the floor means that you are that kind of the pounding yeah. means that you are you you're building up bone yeah. If you're so just on the calcium piece, if you're vegan, yep. Um, how would are there other sources of calcium outside of milk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So dairy is the uh, the kind of source that everybody thinks of. But yeah, there's fortified. Make sure you're drinking fortified milks. Right. So check your labels. Give them a good shake because the calcium will sit on the bottom. Right. Um, what else? Uh, green leafy veg. Okay. Mm. Make sure that you're lightly steaming it, so don't eat it raw because it, it makes the it's more absorbable. The okay. calcium is more absorbable if you have lightly steamed it, or if you, for example, kind of stir it through, I don't know, a soup or a stir yeah. fry yeah. or something like that. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, fortified um, sources are best. Tofu is another good um, source, but again, look at your labels. Make sure it's calcium set tofu. Okay. In so we just talked about supplements. In terms of supplements, I always kind of advocate a food first, you know, policy. But there are some things that everybody should be taking. So vitamin D, yeah. all yes. of us, you know, yes. kids, adults, doesn't matter how old you are, should be taking 10 micrograms daily, particularly mm -hmm. over the winter. Yeah. Um, and I would say for vegans and vegetarians, if you're not eating oily fish, then take an omega-3. Yeah. That's really important. Okay. Brain health, heart health. It's, you know, it's a really good anti-inflammatory. Um, and if you are vegan and you don't want to take um, a fish oil, you can get it from algae. Oh, right. Yeah. So Opti3 is a really good brand to look at. Um, in terms of things like hot flushes, you can actually get plant estrogens from some types of food, although... It's in a much weaker form than, say, HRT. You're never going to top your levels up through phytoestrogens, but you can find them. You know, it's, I always recommend it's a good way, a good thing to add into your diet. Um, so things like soya, flax mm. seeds, alfalfa sprouts, oats, mm. lentils, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and another, I'll just, I could go on, but, you know, another really 
important mineral to think about is magnesium. So especially right. if you suffer from things like anxiety, restless legs, insomnia, magnesium is really important. And again, you'll find it in things like green leafy veg, um, avocados, almonds. You can supplement, but I would always talk to a GP or uh, yeah. a nutritionist first. Yeah. You can actually get it from dark chocolate, which is, you know... Great. Uh, something that's positive. positive. That's a positive takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to touch on the soya point, actually, because, yes. again, I think there's a lot of... Um, I don't know, scandal around oestrogen and soya. And I I drink soy milk, but my my parents in particular are like, no, you can't, it's going to give you breast cancer. I mean, what is that? There's lots and lots of misinformation out there. Yeah. And you will find studies advocating and, you know, decrying it's kind of, that it's poison. It is, it's a great source of protein. Yeah. Um, if you take out the environmental associations, it's a great source of um, protein. It is cheap. It's great for vegans and vegetarians. You know, like for like, it's almost got the same protein profile as cow's milk. Um, and it, yes, you're right. So it doesn't contain hormones per se. It contains plant estrogens. Yeah. So what we were just talking about, phytoestrogens. And actually, the research we don't really know how phytoestrogens work within the body they sometimes attach to estrogen receptors and they sometimes block Uh. lots more research needs to be done but the body the main body of research says that it's absolutely safe in moderation so one to two portions a day which is like a small glass of you know soy soy milk is absolutely fine right um it's worth noting that lots of Asian communities, obviously, they grow up eating tons of soy. You know, yes. It's like one of the mainstays yeah. of their yes. diet. And they actually don't seem to suffer half as much as, as Western women do when it comes to menopause symptoms. Oh, right. So some people are linking the two. Uh. But it's worth pointing out that they, in Asian communities, they eat a very different type of soya than we do so theirs okay. tends to be fermented yeah so if you were looking at fermented yeah. soya products here you'd yeah. look at things like natto miso yeah tempeh seitan or those those okay. types of yeah. um edamame beans they're not fermented but yes. they're another good sort of unprocessed form of soya hmm. and these nutrition tips obviously for women who are you know, busy at work during the week. How best can we integrate some of that into the workplace? Yeah, um, I think my main tip would be to be prepared. You know, batch cooking, I'm always banging on about it, but it's so important. Just so that you've always got something on you that you know is nutritious, you know exactly what's in it. Um, So you're not going to get those kind of, the the hanger, you Mm. know, that we can all suffer from or you know if you're really starving and you kind of you know you reach for the obvious things like chocolate bars or sandwiches things that aren't actually going to sustain your kind of blood sugar levels and your energy Mm. levels throughout the day so be prepared you know have some protein bars on you hydrate it's such a simple thing but so many people are dehydrated Mm. you know drink have your bottle on your desk make sure you're refilling it make it more exciting by adding, you know, lemon or cucumber or whatever. Um, Also, I think there's a lot to be said for just reclaiming your lunch hour. So 
making sure you get out away from your desk, away from tech, leave mm. your phone ideally, you know, on your desk and just getting out and kind of getting some fresh air and having some downtime right. from the stresses of, of work. Um, but there's lots of things, you know, Pret, all of these places, Leon, they, there's lots of really healthy, you know, useful yeah. ideas that you can get from them in terms of lunch. Um, I would have lots of nuts and seeds in your drawer, maybe some granola, oat cakes, you know, energy balls and nut butters. Um, and also get up frequently, so make sure you're not completely sedentary throughout the day. Yeah. Set a thing on your, a reminder on your phone, you know, so that you're getting up and moving around at least once an hour. Yeah. Take the stairs, you know, it's, it makes a big difference. Yeah. Yes. What is sort of the, the physical impact on women in the workforce? Um, yeah, so they, women, as we know, are working longer, you know, the pension age is, is increasing. Um, and if we're talking about the average age of menopause, which is 51, and that kind of lead up to that, often women are at the top of their game, you know, they're in positions of really high responsibility. Um, and it's worth noting that women over 40 are the fastest growing workforce demographic. Mm. Um, you know, there's currently, I think, over 13 million women either going through the menopause or have been through the menopause. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we already know, 75% of women are suffering symptoms. But sadly, and I think this is really kind of, you know, it's worth flagging up, one in four women are considering retiring or resigning. And often I wow. get people in clinic who because of their symptoms, you know, because of the brain fog and the anxiety and the loss of confidence, mm, yeah. they are demoting themselves or they're reducing their hours. Yeah. You know, it's it's just not on. It's not good for employers because no. they're yeah. losing vital members of their yeah. team. Absolutely. And it's just, and it's not good, obviously, for, for women. So the, the women who are thinking about resigning, are they women who are coming up to the menopause or have been through it? Or I It depends. I think it's usually the the perimenopausal women who are really experiencing those symptoms that are Mm. you know the volatility unpredictable yeah Yeah. exactly they're really kind of throwing them they don't really know what's going on and they feel that they can't talk to people about it they a lot of women are feeling like they just have to suffer in silence which clearly you know is not the case there's a ton of resources out there yeah and particularly mm. if you don't actually know what's happening. Uh, I, I'd not ever heard of perimenopause yeah, before. No. So people if this started happening, I, I wouldn't necessarily put it down to the menopause. Yeah. Particularly if it started 10 years before. Yeah. Yeah. This is in why, your early 40s. Yeah. It's, this is why it's so important, I think, for line managers to be educated on the symptoms and how they might be affecting women. Because actually the women themselves quite often totally unaware that this is happening to them yeah but it's obviously a very sort of contentious issue so you also need to be educated on how best to approach women and you know the best way to talk about it what can employers be doing um more to help um employers actually have a duty of care to ensure the well-being of their staff so under the health and safety act and the equality act you know you are women are protected from discrimination um, and yes, employers 
need to be putting policies in place. Lots of employers actually do have a menopause policy, but it's just really? not very, yeah, not very well publicised. So it's worth talking to your employer and seeing if they do have one. Okay. If they don't, there's great resources. Um, for example, the Faculty of Occupational Health, if you go onto their website, they can direct you, you know, if you want to put a policy in place, there's some really good guidance on there. CIPD is another good resource. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in terms of day-to-day -day stuff, I mean, the employers just need to normalise it, you know, yeah. discuss it. We don't need to be going on about it all the time. I think women don't want to be, you know, seen as some kind of special case. Mm. They just want to get on with their day and get on with their careers, don't they? Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, employers just need to be, to show that they are aware of it. Um, there's lots of training, I think, that can be done for line managers, particularly, to recognise the symptoms. Yeah. Um, and to know how to talk to women about it, you know, yeah. empathically, um, sympathetically. Um, what else? Um, yeah, you know, just there's lots of stuff that can be done, actually. Things like webinars, you know, you can get yeah. outside speakers in. Yeah. Um, just talking about it. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. Breaking that stigma. Yeah. yeah. And making sure that that policy or those guidelines are accessible. You know, yes. they're just there. Everyone knows where to go. Um, and so, I mean, some employers will have things like well-being champions. So they, you know, often are in place to talk about mental health. Mm. So why not educate them so that they can talk about you know, menopause, menopausal yeah. symptoms yeah. and menopausal health too. And just on that, obviously, um, you know, men won't experience menopause. No. On the whole, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they might go through it, vicariously yeah. <laughs> 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 through <laughs> their, their wives and their sisters. Yeah, exactly. You know. yeah. yeah, absolutely. So they won't directly experience menopause, yeah. but obviously they, they're likely to have women in their lives, wives, sisters, brothers, daughters, um, colleagues, yeah. um, mm. yeah. direct reports. Yeah. So how, I mean, and I think men have often struggled in terms of understanding women's issues. Mm. I think we, we're getting to a point where we're able to talk um, about menstruation a bit more openly with male colleagues and, yeah. and family members. How do we make um, menopause, I guess, a subject that we can talk to men about? I think by inviting them in to talks, and discussions you know I just did a talk actually at Accenture and there were men there and they actually came up afterwards and said that they got a huge amount out of it because of you know what you're saying they have got wives and family members and you know they are line managers and they are so that you know they're looking after women who are going through this kind of thing. Mm. Thank you so much for coming back to us and, and speaking speaking to us again about your amazing insight on menopause. Um, I'm going to, we've run out of time, so I'm going to end it here. But what I'd like to do is, you know, we've talked about quite a lot of um, meaty yeah. information here. What's the most positive thing that you can say for women who are entering menopause and hoping to get to the other end with a big smile on their face? Yeah, absolutely. So just remember, it's a natural transition. You know, it's not all doom and gloom. And there are plenty of people out there, lots of resources that you can tap into to make it as positive as possible. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming and visiting us again, Emma. It's been an absolute joy. I've Thanks, loved Emma. it. Thank you. <laughs>
Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to get in touch, you can do so via our Twitter account, at Risky Mix. We'd love to hear your thoughts and questions. And if you know any inspirational women in the industry who you think would be great for the Risky Mix podcast, get in touch. See you next week.